We're going to start in James chapter 1, uh, verse 17. James 1, 17 says this, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. In humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Let's break down this passage in James chapter 1 and let's just examine it more closely. Verse 18. In the exercise of his will, God, he brought forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. In the exercise of his will, I have a few questions for us tonight. Number one, my friends, how do we exercise our will? How do we exercise our will? How do we choose what to do? What do we choose what to do? What do we bring forth? And what are the fruits of our will and our our, uh, subsequent actions? So what are our words of truth? In this passage, it talks about the word of truth. That word is logos. And the definition of that is a word uttered by a living voice. The word truth is aletheleia, which is translated as this. It's translated objectively and subjectively. So objectively it says, what is true in any manner under consideration? What is true in things pertaining to God and the duties of man, moral and religious truth? The true notions of God which are open to human reason without his supernatural intervention. I love that because it makes it clear that this ain't rocket science, folks. It's not talking about some great, profound, revelatory truth. When it's talking about a word of truth here, it's not, I've got to get my prayer closet and I've got to get this, this prophetic word from God and then I've got to deliver it. It's talking about the most base words of truth that are true, that are noble. Subjectively, it means truth as a personal excellence. Truth as a personal excellence. What a strange thing. But what an awesome thing. According to this passage, it says, this is how God birthed us. When we were made new through, through salvation in Jesus Christ, through new creation in Him, we were made so with His what? With His, with his words of truth. So what were those words? What were those words that you and I were birthed into? We're made new into. What were those words of truth? And we just got done reading the the definition of these words. That it's not some big profound, you know, specialized, narrow truth. The words of truth that you and I were saved into are you're mine. You're forgiven. You're clean. You're pure. You're beautiful. 
You're awesome. You're healed. You're no longer bound. You're special. You're favored. You're needed. You're equipped. See, God didn't just speak them once. He's constantly speaking those things to us, and they're called words of truth. God brought us forth with words of truth in life so that we would do what? So that we would do what? Do the exact same thing. It says that we were a type of first fruits. He brought us forth as a type of first fruits so that we can do the exact same thing. What do I mean by that? So that we could speak words of truth. So that we could be free, just as free as our Father was in speaking words of truth over us. We could be free in speaking words of truth over one another. But what has to happen before we do this? It's right here in the scripture. We have to will it. We have to exercise our will and we have to do it. We have to exercise our will that we will speak. Verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We're, we're strange people. We're, we're just funny people. We have odd idiosyncrasies. We're built very strangely. And I don't know why. I, I hate this about us as a people. For the most part, we're slow to speak words of life for a myriad of reasons. Sometimes we think if I'm building someone up, then you know uh, I can only do that to a certain extent. I only have so much praise. Otherwise, I'll be disingenuous. So we have fear of being disingenuous. I think sometimes in worship we have that. Well, I can't really express myself because people might think I'm doing it for them. Well, then you are living in fear, friend. If you are not worshiping our king because you're afraid of someone else will think, you are living in bondage, friend. And if we're not being speaking words of life to people for fear of anything, we are living in bondage. What are some of the other reasons we don't speak? I think it's, there's this perverted thing where we think... Um, well, I, I've got to wait until they do it to me. It's a give and take, and I, I'll wait until they do it for me. That's a lie from the enemy. I think there's this way that insecurity is manifested by people going, well, I, I know I'd never put it in these terms, but if I praise someone else, and somehow that makes me look less than. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that strange? But I guarantee, I mean, there's a huge majority of people that withhold praise for for reasons of insecurity. You know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That word here is a kua, and it means to attend to, to consider what has been said, to understand, perceive the sense of what is said. And the Bible says that we are to be quick to do this. It's not saying quick to listen, it's saying we should be quick to understand. We should be quick 
to perceive the heart of what's being said, sometimes at the expense of ignoring the words that are being said. Sometimes the words don't encapsulate the whole message. We've got to be quick, according to Scripture, quick to understand, to perceive what is being said. Are we quick to understand each other, guys? Are we? Are we quick to perceive not just the words, but to perceive the heart? The sense of what someone says. You guys, this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. Now, this is exactly the kind of Scripture that some people, and I'm not saying you guys, because I don't, I don't think anybody would do that. But you know, other people, other Christians, would walk out the door and criticize because it's a touchy-feely message. No, friends, this is the Word of God. I'm not giving you anything except Scripture. Too long we've... We've tolerated... Thoughtlessness in the house of God and in our Christian lives. In our own lives. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about from our own lips, from our own mind, in our own hearts. We have tolerated it. We have dismissed it as anything other than sin, and it is sin. This is scripture written by a man who was Jesus' younger half brother, James. Half-brother, because they had the same mom, but not the same dad. This is written by James, who had this demonstrated to him by Jesus. Younger brothers, we had all kinds of stuff demonstrated to us by our older brothers if we had an older brother. And it wasn't always stuff like loving kindness and understanding. But look at the awesome opportunity that James had. And then he wrote, writes about it. He understood because he had this demonstrated to him. He experienced it firsthand from his big brother and then Savior. What a cool combination. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak. That word speak is laleo. It means to use words in order to declare one's mind and disclose one's thoughts. That's how this word is translated. To use words in order to declare one's mind and disclose one's thoughts. And scripture says we are to be what about this? Slow! <laughs> wow! I had to like preach this to me a bunch of times because I am not slow to speak. And we're to be slow to anger. That word anger is spelled O-R-G-E. The Greek word, it's, it's ogre. I wonder if the word ogre came from this. I don't know. But it's, it's translated as movement or agitation of the soul. Movement or agitation of the soul. Impulse, desire. Any violent emotion, but especially anger. Any violent emotion. Be slow in our emotional outbursts. Because this is scripture. This is what the word of God says. Be slow with our temper tantrums. Right? With our emotional outbursts. With our impatient exclamations. 
Lord Jesus, help me. Be slow to the impulse of giving people a piece of your mind. I'm just going to give her a piece of my mind. Okay. But be slow with it. Be thoughtful with it. Be sensitive with it. Be prayerful with it. Be slow to share with people your thoughts of how right you are and how wrong they are. Boom! Be slow for that. Ephesians 4.26 says this, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Be slow to anger, but do what? Sin not, and deal with your anger quickly. Because the sun is setting. Deal with it before the sun goes down. Be slow to anger, but deal with that anger quickly. That means we've got to take it to the Lord. That means we've got to forgive one another. That means we've got to communicate with one another. You know what the stupidest thing that we learned as a kid was? You know what the biggest lie, the greatest lie that we were ever told or that we ever told? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. What a lie. What a stinking lie. That's a lie. It's the stupidest thing we have either repeated, believed, or taught others. Because our words hurt. Church, our words can destroy us. Or, don't you love that, the or. Or, they can empower us and encourage us and impassion us to do amazing things. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The literal translation of this is this, Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. That means we have the power. to wield words in a way that bring death or bring life. Isn't that a huge responsibility to ourselves, to our spouse, to our kids, to our siblings, to our friends, to strangers. We have the power of life and death within our tongue. You and I controlled this power, whether we speak life or speak death. You guys, we must work at defeating insensitivity and thoughtlessness in the things that we do and say. Once again, guys, it's not Oprah's book club that I'm reading up here. It's the Word of God. We just don't like to talk about things like this because, number one, it, it... throws out accountability. So now we're all accountable for it. You guys, I, hey, I am there. In preparation for this message, in spending time with the Lord this week, I did something, man. I picked up the phone and I called some of you guys. And and I just responded to what the Holy Spirit put on my heart. 
there was one person I called up. I'm like, bro, I got to apologize, man. I'm sorry, dude. And I, I listed it out. Why? Because that's what the Lord put on my heart to do. Power of life and death is contained in the tongue. Plus, I just got done preaching on obedience, and so there was a 0% chance of me not doing that. <laughs> so partial obedience, uh-uh, I was bringing it. There's others I called and just encouraged and said, I just want to encourage you with this. And I spoke something. Why? Because we have that power. Because I have the power to do it. And my heart it is my Father's heart. And I wanted to do it. I willed to do it. I exercised my will to do it. I want to read a passage about insensitivity here. First Samuel 1. We're going to read 1 through 8. Now there was a certain man from Ramathaim Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Alkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panina. I know some of you ladies are pregnant and are considering names. So we're thinking about names of girls. Hannah is lovely. Panina is not. It just makes me hungry. It makes me want to eat a delicious sandwich. That's right. Hi, my name is Panina. Let's go. Come on, let's go to lunch. Where's where's the deli? So Hannah is a good one. But it's also Hannah is a godly woman in this. Verse 2. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Panina. And Panina had children. Say that. Panina had children. But Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, there was no Ferb, but Phinehas was there. Phinehas and Ferb is a TV show that the kids watched. Pretty good show. And Phinehas is a biblical name. Just wanted to point that out there. So Phinehas. They were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Panina, his wife, and all her sons and her daughters, which we see that she had multiple sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, a double portion of the food that was sacrificed. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, so Hannah and Panita are rivals. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year as often as she went up to the house of the Lord. I want to point something else out. Always a bad idea to have two wives. They're going to become rivals. It's going to be a bitter rivalry. Always bad to have two wives. There you go. So we're, Impact Rock is against polygamy. Just let's go ahead and I think that's a given. That's an obvious one, but it's there. It happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. How interesting is that to me? She's been given a double portion of food because she's favored and loved. Her husband felt for her, but she was so distraught she wouldn't eat. She wept. Verse 8, Then Alkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Elkanah, bro. You insensitive sucker. It ain't about you. 
How often? Men. Women. How often do we make someone else's grief about us just because of insensitivity? How often do we make someone's hardship about us? How often do we make something's anything about us simply because we're insensitive jokers? Most men can relate to Elkanah. We can. He loved his wife. He loved her. He favored her. It says that he gave her extra portion because of his affection and his love for her, right? So his insensitive words should not be taken as a lack of love, right? His insensitive words should not be taken as as a lack of affection for his wife. It shouldn't be misinterpreted as coldness or a lack of anything. Just a lack of sensitivity and thoughtfulness. Most of us are not insensitive because we lack love. We're insensitive because we lack thoughtfulness. Right? Hey, we know our hearts. I'm not making a judgment on our hearts. We don't do it because we lack love. We do it because we just aren't patient enough to be quiet and to give thought to what God wants us to do. We took a moment of silence tonight to give thought. What a powerful thing it is to take... What Was it even 15 seconds, guys? Was it 20 seconds? I don't know. To take a handful of seconds and give thought and give remembrance and give thanks and gather our thoughts to gather ourselves. Most of us are not insensitive because we lack love, but because we don't know how to communicate the love that we have. Think about that. Not because we lack love, but because we don't know how to communicate that love. Hmm. We'll be encouraged. Because God can help us with this. God can help us with this. Insensitivity, thoughtlessness but we've got to be aware of it. You know what? If I ever have, like if I'm eating a sandwich and I got food on my face or I got like mayonnaise or mustard or something on my face or if I ever have a booger hanging out of my nose, I want to know about it. If I, if I stink, if the deodorant's not working, I want to know about it so that I can change it. See, I don't, I don't want the mustard on my face. I don't want the boogie on my nose. I want to be able to go put on some deodorant. I want to be able to change the thing. I want that. So in order for that to happen, I need one of you to go, hey, come here for a second, man. How you doing? Hey, uh, real quick, you got the boogie on your nose right here. Just do that over there. Yeah, good. Good talking. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, come on back. That is what I want. Here's what I want. Honey, Stairs and get some deodorant on. You smell bad. That's what I want. I don't have to get defensive about it. I don't have to get wounded by it. I don't have to get all hurt about it because I had mustard on my face and, and brother hooked me up and told me to wipe my face. When there are things in our life that we can grow in. Why are we so fearful 
of the sharpening of the correction. The Word tells us that God disciplines and corrects those He loves. And it says this, that a fool despises correction. A fool despises correction. So guys, for the areas in our life that we lack sensitivity and thoughtfulness, let's grow. Let's look at an example of a godly man switching the tables on a similar situation from the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon was written by Solomon, thus his name attached to it. And it's a short book in the Old Testament that describes the relationship that Solomon has between him and his first wife, but it also speaks of our love affair that we're to have with God. It's a cool, cool book. Uh, And we're going to read from it right now. So Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is Solomon's beloved, his bride. And she says, I am black but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kader, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me, because I am swarthy, for the sun has burned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me caretaker of the vineyards, but I have not taken care of my own vineyard. And just stop right there. That whole passage right there speaks of insecurity. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm pretty, but I don't stare at me because I, I'm ugly. What a crazy. But isn't that indicative of the enemy and the ways he's lied to us? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of pretty, but then in our heart hearts we're like, no, I'm ugly. Tell me, O you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? Where do you make it lie down at noon? At noon. Why, for why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? Solomon's first recorded words in the very next passage we're going to read shows that he understood. Shows that he understood. He understood the low opinion that she had of herself. This is one of those times, men, where we kind of put ourselves in in his shoes. Ladies, we can do the same. This isn't just specific to men. What would I have done in that situation? Man, I'm glad I wasn't in that situation because it would have been easy for me to be in a problem solver, right? Be like, well, babe, you should have wore a hat. You should have wore a hat that you wouldn't have gotten all dark and swarthy. Uh, they make some block. That would have been a mistake. We got to listen. Not just to the words. To the heart. He was sensitive to the insecurity she had over how she looked and the fear she had over how he was going to what? How he was going to treat her. What kind of husband was he going to be? She expresses these insecurities and these fear in that verse we just read. Let's read the very next verse. The first words we see of Solomon. Verse 8. If you yourself do not know most beautiful among women... How awesome is that? His first words were words of building her up, of alleviating her fears, of doing away with her insecurities. If you don't know, 
most beautiful woman in the world? If you don't know, go forth on the trail of the flock and pasture your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. To me, my darling, you are like... And Solomon proceeds to describe her worth. He proceeds to describe her beauty. He proceeds to describe her importance to him. When she needed it most, Solomon found the words that were just right. He heard her. He understood her low opinion of herself and how she looked. And he did what? He defeated it with his words of life. He heard the insecurities and he defeated them with words of life. The power of life and death is contained in the hand of the tongue. That's the power you and I have. How often do we hear people speak in words of insecurity, speak with words of fear? And are we aware that we possess the power to speak life and to, and to course correct? Maybe, maybe someone had a deadbeat dad. They just tore them down. They just spoke harshly and lied and tore them down. You're worthless. You're good for nothing. Blah, blah, blah. So that's what they believe. So you get a glimpse of it in the midst of a conversation. You go, oh, hey, dude, you're of tremendous worth. Honey, you're, you're of tremendous value. You're beautiful inside and out. We have the power to defeat that insensitivity and thoughtlessness. Not only did Solomon speak the right words, but he also spoke them at the right time. Guys, effective communication has three parts. And in order for the communication to be effective, it must contain all three parts. If it's two out of three, one out of three, it's not effective communication. Those parts are this. Message, timing, and delivery. Message, timing, and delivery. Three parts of communication in order for it to be effective. They've all got to be present. And we are all guilty of having two out of three, which... In baseball, is a phenomenal batting average. But not so much in our communication. Hey, my message was right. I, I delivered it with love and affection. Yeah, but your timing was horrible, dude. Your, your timing was brutal. Okay, I corrected it. My timing was perfect. Yeah, but you shouted it. Your delivery was awful. And then there's times our message is just wrong. Just when his beloved bride saw herself as undesirable, he communicated, oh no, you're the most beautiful of all women. And what was the result? Talk about being problem solvers. 
solution-oriented. What was the result of Solomon's word? Let's look at it in Solomon chapter 2, Song of Solomon 2, verses 1 through 3. This is her speaking now. Okay? He's done talking about how beautiful she is. This is her response. I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys, like a lily among the thorns, like an apple among the, the trees of the forest. She went from feeling ugly to feeling and believing that she was the most beautiful woman in the world. From being down low to being lifted high. All because Solomon complimented her appearance and spoke truth and life over who she was. The result, Solomon's beloved rejected her low self-esteem. She rejected the low estimation of her looks in favor of what? Solomon's words of life. The opinion of her beauty simply because he did what? Simply because he thought it. Right? Simply because he thought it. I think awesome things of you guys. Right? Because he thought it? No. Because he spoke it. Because he spoke it. Well, that's not just, that's not me. I'm just not, I'm a quiet guy. Well, it's not about you. Right? Well, I just don't, I just don't give my husband those compliments. That's not how I was raised. Well, then you were raised with some things that need to be corrected. And here's that correction. You praise your man. You give him attaboys. Men, women, we're, we're both in need of being lifted up, built, it, built up, and we're both in need of speaking it and experiencing the life that comes through it. Criticism is one of our biggest problems, folks. Criticism of self, criticism of others. And I believe that criticism of self always, always leads to criticism of others. I'm not critical of others. I'm just very uh, critical of myself. If you're critical of yourself, I promise you you're critical of others. Because it's contagious. Just like, just like compliments are contagious. Just like speaking life is contagious. It is contagious. It's been said at the intersection of pride and insecurity at the intersection of pride and insecurity, you will find a critical spirit. Criticism is not always bad. Sometimes it's needed to have good, constructive evaluation, good, constructive self-evaluation. And in those instances, a type of criticism is needed. But if you truly want the, the use of critical analysis to build up and not tear down. Once again, those three simple things. Message, timing, delivery. If your kid gets done playing a field hockey game, she went out there and just busted her butt and just tore it up. Try, you know, tried her hardest. Some things she did well, some things she did poorly. 
your criticism, your critique of her performance is absolutely not wanted in the car on the drive home. And I have made that mistake after a soccer game. Baby, good game, but... Ineffective criticism, guys. Stupid, thoughtless, insensitive. Now, if I wait a day and go, baby, you, and then just tell her, you played hard. You, 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 you played your butt off. You really, I mean, you guys, win or lose, whatever, you, you gave it great effort. Man, that one in the first period when you did this, that was awesome. Man, I'm hoarse from yelling. That was great. If I've got something to critique her on, the, the drive home is not to go, hey, baby, here's what you could have done better. Timing sucks. And most likely your delivery. I don't care how much. How, it's just good golly. But if I wait a day and go, sweetie, there's something I think that would help your game. And you know, I told you this and this and this that you did great. But that, do you remember that one time when you did that? She's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I got a, I got a suggestion on how to improve that. I got some footwork drills we can do to improve that. Will that be received? Would that timing be received? Instead of the thoughtless daddy in the car. (laughs) Criticism doesn't have to be bad, but it's got to have a good message. It's got to have the right timing. And it has to be done with the the right delivery. My mom used to say this to all of us kids. If it's not nice, true, and necessary, don't say it. She didn't say if it was not nice, true, or necessary. Not nice, true, and necessary. Well, it's nice and true, but it's just not necessary. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... In closing, instead of me trying to encapsulate everything and wrap it up, there's a verse in Ephesians 4 that just wraps it up nicely. So we're just gonna we're going to read that together. I mean, I'll read it out loud and you guys read quietly along with me. I don't want to be, I don't want to miscommunicate. Ephesians 4, 25 through 27. And then I'm going to jump down to verse 29. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Friends, the devil will always use an opportunity of anger if we walk in anger. Verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, for building up, for edifying, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace those who hear. So that it will give what? Grace to those who hear. The word is pretty clear about everything I've preached on today, folks. It's abundantly clear. It's ridiculously clear about this topic. I used verses today that you've known your whole life, that you've memorized, that you've quoted, that you learned in Sunday school. The power of life and death is contained in the tongue. We all know that, but do we live it? Do we know it enough to apply it? To live it, to give thought to it? So what actions should follow this message? Number one, repentance. The word repent is metaneo. 
needs to change our minds and agree with God's better to break the agreement that we had with our past sins. Love that word. You'll hear me say that as long as I'm alive. I love repentance. To change my mind, to agree with God, and to break agreement with my past sin. That is repentance. So guys, if our life has not demonstrated speaking life to others, encouraging others, especially those that are closest to us, guys, this this is one of those messages that didn't make the cut for the marriage retreat. Because God wanted it spoken to everybody. This is a church message, not just a couple's message. But couples, you've got to apply this. The people closest to you have got to hear words of life. And I am not great at this all the time, guys. Sometimes I'm a star. Other times I suck. Ask my kids. Ask my wife. Ask my friends. Ask... Turn around, turn to one another. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that now. But the power of life and death is contained in our tongue. Women, I'm going to let you in on something. We're all, your husbands, they're grown-up boys, and every boy needs attaboys. Every boy needs attaboys. Every boy needs to hear, good job, buddy. Good job. And it never changes. It never changes. Don, he would tell you, I need attaboys. I need, Eric would say, oh yeah, it never changes. I We need that. Honey, you look sharp. Thank you, baby. I just bought this. Honey, you smell good. I know. I showered. <laughs> Honey, great job on that project. Thanks. I thought I did good too. Men, the ladies in your life, your wife, not wives because we don't believe polygamy, your wife, your girls, your sisters, the women in the church. The Bible talks about the care that we're supposed to treat the women in the church with. The honor. Our wives need to know they're beautiful and it needs to come from our lips. Men, I promise you this. If you ain't telling your wife looks beautiful, I promise your wife is beautiful. I promise you someone else is going to tell her she's beautiful and you know, you and I don't want that. Tell her she's beautiful. Tell her she's gorgeous. Tell her she's talented. Our little girls, I tell my girls how beautiful they are all the time, how smart and talented. And then I proceed to tell them, most boys are just, they'll grow up later, but they're just lame now, so stay away from them. And then I tell my boy, you're a stud, you're handsome and everything, but stay away from the girls because you don't know how to treat them yet. I do. Guys, the power of life and death contained in our tongue. So number one, the actions that follow this message, repentance. Repentance. To use the word I preached here, we're to exercise our will. We're to purpose in our hearts. We're to exercise our will that this is who we will be. This is who we will be. We will speak life. Brother, let me encourage you. Friend, you're doing a good job. Keep fighting. Keep doing it. Hang in there. You're doing great. 
It was awesome going to, to the race that Kara and Amanda ran in in Fort Collins a couple weekends ago. Me and the kids were on the sideline just yelling. We are just yelling for strangers. Keep doing. You're doing great. You can do it. And they'd be like, you know, and they were encouraged. And, we, and it was awesome. Cadence was the best. Cadence rocked at this. She's just yelling, keep going. You can do it. You're great. One time I, the, the Kenyans were there and I started singing, I have the tiger. Bump, 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 bump. This guy's like, Sometimes we just got to sing Eye of the Tiger to one another. Stay in the fight, bro. Stop speaking words of death and stop withholding words of life. Number two, action that should follow this message is doing. Doing. Friends, we can't just be hearers of the word. We cannot just be hearers of the word. We've got to be doers of the word. Encourage one another with words that build up. Let's tell one another of the good, the noble, the lovely, the praiseworthy, the excellent. Let's let's share that with one another. Let's tell each other we're awesome. We've got so much praise, we will never run out of praise, guys. We'll never run out. We'll never run out of of lifting others up and building others up. Looking around the room right now, I I could go one by one, every person in this room, and build you up and and talk about how awesome you are. And I started it to some small extent the other night. Guys, we need to do that with one another. Hey, I see the work you do. And I don't know if anyone tells you, but it's awesome. Thank you for doing that. You are a good worker. Hey, I'm amazed at how you do your daughter's hair. Men, we are amazed at how women do women's hair. I mean, look at those braids. That's perfect. You do her hair awesome. Thank you. I I think I do too. You do. Let's do these things. Speaking life and truth. But this is important, my friends. Wanting nothing in return. Demanding nothing in return. Expecting nothing in return. That is not why we do it. I told you you're pretty. You tell me I'm pretty. That's not why we do it, guys. It's not. Wanting nothing in return. Only to bless and build up. After all, it's not about you. It's not about me. Speak life. Here's the awesome thing about this message, guys. Speak life. In doing so, we are fulfilling God's purpose that our lives be first fruits, pouring life into others. In us speaking life, we are fulfilling one of the purposes God has for us in being first fruits. You guys, we're to bring others forth in life. We're to bring others forth in, in truth. And all too often, guys, we've bought into the lies of the enemy. And that sucker has succeeded in deceiving way too many of us about our worth.
about our value, about our beauty. And he is a liar. And the enemy is a father of all lies. But here's the great news, guys. You got it right here. You have the power. You have the power of the tongue in your hand to break those lies of the enemy. You've got the power that God has put within, the same power that he created the earth. He spoke it forth. The same power is in you to speak life and to break strongholds and to break lies. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that, men, doesn't that make you want to hit somebody? It makes me want to hit somebody. It makes me want to hit the devil. Man, as a youth pastor, I, man, I always wanted to, I, I couldn't stand some of the parents sometimes. I just wanted to punch them. I'm like, sorry, sucker. Your daughter's awesome and you're speaking life. Can I just, you can't punch them. Never pray for them and tell them, I don't know. But guys, here's the third thing that this message should bring forth. Worship. Worship. Although this word obviously applies to our relationships with one another, this message should make us more sensitive worshipers of God. More thoughtful and sensitive worshipers of God. Telling Him what He means to us. Telling Him of His beauty. Telling Him how awesome He is. Act the fool for the Lord. Lord, you are awesome. Lord, you're awesome. You are so beautiful. I love the way you love me. I love the way that I feel when I'm in your presence. I never feel this way except when I'm with you. So I want to be with you all the time. Friends, that should be our worship. Withholding nothing from him. Proclaiming his goodness. And originally, here was my intent to preach a really short message and then to turn you loose, just turn into one another and just building each other up. But God kept giving me good stuff. I couldn't help it. It was awesome. I had to share it all. But it doesn't change the fact that I want to turn you loose to speak good things about one another. And I want to make something totally clear. Um, Talk about timing, you know, timing, message delivery. If you've got something to build me up with tonight, don't do it tonight. Please, please don't. I'm, I'm totally serious. Don't do it tonight. Because I don't, this in no way, I don't, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I don't, you know, build me up another time. But build one another up. This isn't about me. This isn't a plea to, you know, for you to come tell my wife how pretty she is. I'll tell her how pretty she is. Build one another up. Build one another up. We all belong to each other. That passage in Ephesians 4, we are all members together. We're members of one body. Strengthen each other. We will all be stronger as a result of us strengthening each other. I tell Katie all the time how pretty she is. I tell Katie all the time how pretty her skin is. And I give glory to God because God did this awesome work. Right? I I tell her all the time, this isn't my daughter. But I do it in an appropriate, respectful, honoring way. And I tell her she's pretty. Why? Because she is. And that brings life. Guys, let's, let's pour into one another. Let's build each other up. And let's be quick to do it. I promise you this. 
you won't run out. You won't run short. And I promise you this also. It will be, it will be returned. But you can't do it for that reason. And I promise you this also. There's a lot of promises. If you're worshiping Him, oh my gosh, He will heap His love upon you. If you're worshiping Him, He will heap His approval and His praise upon you. You will hear it. You will feel it. It will break you. It will build you. It will do amazing things to you. Guys, we're called to be a worshiping church. And that means every member. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we give thought to this word. Church, let's not shift gears yet. Let's not move on to dinner or or the evening yet. Let's give thought to this word. Father, we repent of being thoughtless and we repent of being insensitive. Lord, we repent of withholding good, of withholding blessing, of withholding praise to one another or to you. We repent of that. And we break agreement with past sin, past ignorance, past ways of thinking. And we agree with you, Lord. Holy Spirit, constantly remind us to speak life Lord, tomorrow let us break today's record of of speaking life. And the next day let us break tomorrow's record. Lord, let's do it. Lord, forge in our hearts to do it, not out of a sense of obligation, but out of a sense of fulfillment of your word, that we are first fruits to your calling. And we want our lives to bear fruit. We want others to bear fruit as well. In Jesus' name, amen.